Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. We are talking about Blades in the Dark. This is, I think, the third session of Blades in the Dark. Somebody's got to remind me, it's third, fourth session of Blades in the Dark. And we are gonna talk about what it was like to run a full heist, a full score. We're gonna talk about downtime because we did a downtime session last, last time. And we're gonna talk about kind of getting set for the next score. So really interesting time. So Blades in the Dark, if you are not familiar, is an independent RPG built around heists in a dark fantasy world known as Duskvol. It is loosely, its mechanics are loosely based on uh, games like Powered by the Apocalypse, uh, you, you a little bit of fate and some other things in there, but it really has its own style of play built around the idea of a crew of scoundrels engaging in heists in a dark city, a high, a dark, uh, dark fantasy setting. Really neat stuff. Really, really fun. Really fun game. My players absolutely have been having a, a ball. I, as a GM, I've been struggling a little bit. It's hard for me to get my hands around it. There's a lot of stuff going going on here. So last session, let's see, I'll pull up my notes. The last session, the characters had gotten all the way up to the location where they were gonna do the score. Their their job was to break in to a safe house held by the, the Red Sashes. Is that what they're called? I think they're called the Red Sashes, right? Yes, by the Red Sashes, which was, the, the safe house was an abandoned electroplasm refinery, electroplasm, yeah, kind of electroplasm refinery that used to pull electroplasm out of the ghosts that were outside the walls of Duskfall. So it's a dirty electroplasm refinery. And they had the huge vats of terrible liquids that had been extracted from the electroplasm they needed, sort of like a crude oil sort of situation, where now all the electroplasm is now coming from harvesting it from the Leviathans out in the sea. This refinery had been used to pull it out of ghosts outside the city for a while. This is just something I made up. And so we started off with the engagement role. We, we my, my groups, my, my players and I talked about the engagement role, talked about what that meant, and, and talked about the job. The job was get into this place and grab the war chest being held by the red sashes that the red sashes were using to pay off their mercenaries in order to build a bigger army of people to fight against the lamp blacks while, because the crows, a larger criminal organization had started to go back. And I had a fun twist at the end that I had kind of wanted to do and I ended up doing and it worked, it worked really well. And I'll talk, well, I think it worked really well. We'll see how it, we'll see how it goes. But it was, to me, it was a more interesting thing than, hey, you got a box full of money. Was how about instead of a box full of money, you got a cylinder and contained inside the cylinder is the animated human head of the former leader of the crows. And it looks at you and says, who the F are you? Right. I thought, wouldn't that be more interesting? That sounds more interesting than you got a big pile of money. Right. So that's what we th that's that's kind of what they what they came up with at the end, which I thought was fun. So, yeah. So there was it was, you know, it, it played out like you would expect something like this to play out. Lots of different roles for lots of different things. Lots of different successes at costs collapsing, you know, giant ships hanging from the ceiling that were used as offices that then were the things were picked and the whole thing collapsed, people getting crushed, uh, weird sarcophagi with vampires that where the vampires came out and started eating people. Like it was kind of off the wall, it went off in all directions. And I think my, my you know, this is probably my style of play, right? I never, it's, it's so, 
you know, giving giving some thoughts up. It's shown me a lot about the style of DMing that I like, right? And the style of DMing that I have. And I believe heavily in an improvisational approach towards RPGs. I, th I know that I have more fun. Obviously, I wrote books about this, right? I have more fun when I set the stage and I watch what happens. The tricky bit is, in many cases, the stage is getting set with the same improvisational tools that are being used as the characters who are engaging with it, which is certainly a, a style of play, right? It's not one that I'm comfortable with. I, I, I really do, you know, I've, I joked now multiple times about the idea. Blades in the Dark says that one of the pieces of advice that they offer is that players should play their characters like they're driving a stolen car. And then I make the joke of, yeah, and the GM is in the trunk getting banged around while it's racing around the streets, right? And I, I feel that way. I feel like it's hard for me to keep my hands on the situation and things go off in such zany ways. And sometimes those zany ways make the world feel ethereal, right? It, make, it doesn't, it makes things, it doesn't make things solid because you know that like generally speaking, anything can happen, right? And by anything can happen, it means that like, you know, inception style, the walls can fall apart and new things can change, right? Like things are solid when they hit, but so many different zany things can happen. It's hard to keep track of it of all. And, it, and it's hard to look at the thing and say like, you know, what kind of and, and part of it's me, right? I'm the one who decided that. Oh yeah, you know, a couple of the a couple of the red brand mercenaries, red red sash mercenaries, dragged like an old sarcophagus out of the basement. Like, hey, look what we found! And one of the players rolled a success at a cost, and I was like, you can. And he was trying to draw energy out of the vats, the, the, these rotted vats of electroplasm. And I was like, you can do it, but there's more energy inside that sarcophagus. But you're gonna have to use your powers to open the sarcophagus too. And he did. And it was like, now this thing came out that offered him power that he could fuel. It was, it was fun, I think. And I'm the one that put it in there, but it just felt like, you know, it was like anything that can go wrong will go wrong and everything went wrong, which is how it's supposed to go, right? It's supposed to be kind of a craziness. But in the, in the end, they got out, right? Everybody made it. Nobody died. Uh, a fair bit of stress was brought out. Somebody brought up that like the more players you have, the more characters you have, the higher your total stress pool is. And that, you know, you're going to want to draw on that stress a lot more. I'm playing it, it for me. It's a short enough campaign that I'm not too worried about making sure that like, I'm really stressing the system, so to speak, right? That, that I'm putting them in situations. Like if we get through this whole thing and no one takes on a single detriment, whatever they call it, like whatever their version of like wounds are, you know, I think that that's, I think that that's fine. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. The, so the, the scenario went really well. It was fun. My players had a good time. I had a good, you know, we, I think we figured out, you know, we got our, our hands around the mechanics enough to be able to run it. Yeah. So Akokan said, Alcocan, Alcocane said, did anyone trigger a flashback? Yes. We had, we've now had numerous flashbacks that got triggered where somebody said, oh, I have, I've already, you know, I'm going to do a role. I can't remember exactly what they were, but like, I, I already met that guy and already managed to tell him like that we were going here and to help us with our thing. And so like one of the, I think I got that right. One of the, I can't remember exactly what it was. And I don't think this is right. I, it was something along the lines, like one of the thugs was on their side and had changed things, but I don't think that it wasn't that it was something else, but the, yes, we have triggered flashbacks. And I would say that the two, the two biggest techniques, the two biggest tricks or tools, people don't like it all the time when I use the word tool, but two, two techniques that I've seen in Blades in the Dark that I think are transferable to other RPGs. And that's one of the reasons that I, that I, that I like to play this is I like to, 
I like to look at like what tools are transferable to other RPGs. What are things that we can pick up as DMs that we can then bring into our other games like 5e? And and two of them very clearly are uh, progression clocks, progress clocks, which I've talked about. I have a Cyflare, I have a video on YouTube where I talk about using progress clocks in D&D, that they're a really great lightweight uh, lightweight way for us to track uh, partial or track complex situations in our RPGs. And I think that that's, that's a fantastic, that's a fantastic tool. And the other one is flashbacks. The idea that like you could have people roll skill checks for things that they did previously, right? And maybe it's, you know, it's not quite as baked in as it is in Blades in the Dark, but you could certainly say there's no reason you couldn't add that to D&D where somebody could say, oh, what if I had already talked to this guy? And you might tell your players, like you have an opportunity to flashback if you want and say you had done something previously to do this. Maybe I, what if I broke into this place before and I put something there? It's a little like Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. He's like, don't forget about the, you know, the sandbag. Don't forget about the sandbag. And the big sandbag falls on a guy, right? And he's like, yay. It's a little like that. But I think it's a fun technique that I think you can incorporate. And, and a big one is like you can if you don't like to have shopping episodes in your D&D game where they go around shop to shop buying stuff and you want to say you're resupply, right? You could say like you can resupply. And if there's a if there's a good reasonable reason that you would have brought an item, you can assume you have it if you find out you needed it later. And that's kind of how inventory works in Blades in the Dark. One of the things about inventory is that like you decide on, on a thing called loadout and you decide how big your loadout is, but you don't have to pick what it was and you don't get to pick, you don't have to pick out what it was until you're playing. And then you get to decide, yes, I brought this and I brought this and I brought this and brought this. That's, you could, that's sort of like flashbacks built into inventory and you can use that, um, you know, you can use that in any RPG pretty much, but certainly you can use it in D and D. So let's, let's actually get prepped, right? So I'm going to create a new session planning template. The, so one question is like, how well does the lazy DM style fit with Blades in the Dark? The style fits, do the steps fit? Not so much, but that's, you know, the, the whole point was that it's a flexible system so you can change it for however you need it. I think there are parts of it that really fit well and that I'm happy I do. Just call it Sunday Blades. Uh, it was very nice. John Harper left a comment on my YouTube video for last time and, and offered some thoughts and suggestions and said like, hey, the things that you're doing, you can absolutely do that. You can absolutely use maps. You can absolutely prep the kind of stuff that you're prepping. That's not out of that's not out of the realm of his design philosophy for the game. So it was very cool. And John, if you happen to watching, thank you very much for, you know, well, right. hey, somebody said, does Mike bang into the mic? I just banged into the mic because I brought it too close. So John, thank you very much for bothering to watch my little videos here. Uh, and thank you for making this game. My players are, my players and I are having a really good time. I'm really enjoying playing it. So thank you. Uh, so strong start. I, I think, you know, this is that, that sort of flashback idea and, or not flashback idea that like, like that's, that's, you know, you want to start hot, right? And so the current situation is the characters have the head of the former leader of the crows. Who was that former leader? I got to go into my, 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 my blades book here. Does somebody remember? It's like Reginald or something. Here we go. Rorik. Rorik was the former leader Right, and we have an NPC. We'll drop an NPC in here. We can, we can kill this. Rorik, former leader of the crows, now a head in a jar. I like the idea that Rorik is going to be the new driver of their, uh, of their their heist. So to give an idea of like how we're going to run this, we're probably going to run one more 
heist, one more score, and then one more set of downtimes. And then probably at that point, call our mini campaign of Blades in the Dark to a close. I have players who are like, don't we want to keep going with this? And then they're like, oh, we want to try other stuff too. So, you know, I, I think we're going to do one more score, one more set of downtime, then kind of tie things up and, and call and, 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 and call that. And then probably switch over to Numenera. And then I'm going to be running Numenera. I'm probably going to run Sla Slaves of the Machine God. That is the campaign book for Numenera that I think I'm going to run. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to see. So... Let's see. I want to find a way to, you know, I like that start, you know, one of the principles of Blades, which fits very well with the style of, of prep that we do for, for Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, is the, in starting in media res, right? You, you jump jump to the fun part. So I don't, I don't think I want to start with, I don't want to start with like Rorik talking to them and offering them, and offering them something. I want to start with, you know, uh, I want to start the action with a bang. And I suppose I could start with like, what if the the the, the blue coats are have surrounded their place and are saying, you know, come on out, come on out, you know, you know, come on out with your with your brain in a jar. And and like the blue coats are being manipulated by the crows, you know, someone comes knocking is a cool start. Yeah, it could be like it. Maybe it's a little. Maybe it. Maybe it's a little less dramatic, and it's like a blue coat is knocking on the door and coming in, and they've got to like hide the fact that they have this brain in a jar. You know, that could be something. You know, I think let's take. I, I don't know if I wrote it down. I hope I did. Someone flipped. So I, so I, I had like what they did during their downtime, right? And one thing was that someone. The, the the downtime role that they had, someone flipped. So what if? I so here's a fun one. What if it was Bazos? Bazos flipped. Maybe it's time to fridge Bazos. Bazos Baz flipped, and and let the head of the crows know. Is this too much though? Because like, you know, I want to I want to have some room here. But boy, you're really jumping in the, the thing. If Lisa, the head of the crows, so Bazos Boz flipped and let Lisa, the head of the crows, right? I think I have a, I have an NPC card for Lisa, I think. Maybe I don't. Let Lisa know that, that our, our that our crew, Bazos Boz flipped and let Lisa know that our crew was the one responsible for the attack against the what was the name of the place the deathlands distillery so that that's certainly like a hot beginning right or maybe that's the secret and clue right right so i, I could have copied and pasted that instead of typed it so bazos baz let lisa know that the crew our crew is the one responsible for the attack against the deathlands distillery that's that that is like a secret and i think the secrets still so when we talk about like what works secrets still work secrets are still at least for me and when i'm running blades um you know, definitely the secrets work well. You still have this like outline of the things that can happen. Fantastical locations, I think, still work. NPCs still work. Monsters does not. You don't really have monsters. So we cut that. Treasure, you don't really have treasure either. You might like in in, in, the, in the response of the score. Uh, I have not been using the scratch pad, so I'm just going to delete the scratch pad. 
And then we have like the session notes. So a lot of the steps still work, right? There's just a few steps you kind of don't really need. And then there's a few things that you could prep outside of it, like complications, right? Where you could decide like, what are some, what are some complications that you might want to throw into this situation? So well, let's take a look at the, let's, you know, start like we do the other ones. Take a look at the characters and see who we've got. So we have Andrea the Rat Templeton, played by Pat, who is a lurk, an apprentice shadow, likes luxury and mingles. Ally is Salia, an info broker, and Darmot, a blue cloak, is an enemy. I think Darmot, I think Darmot is going to be the one leading the groups to the door, at the front door. I think that will work. Arden Storm's Shadow Keel, played by Brian, uh, is a whisper connected to the underworld. Drawn to the occult, has a demon named Satyra and a spirit uh, as an ally, and a and Flint, a spirit trafficker, as an enemy. We met Flint in the adventure. He showed up uh, on behalf of the crows, not the crows, the sisters. So that, that is a faction that now Chance Fingers Barrow, played by Jerry, is a leech. Background is academic. He collects fingers from people, which is weird. His ally is Jewel, a blood dealer, and his enemy is Eckert, a corpse. Morlin, the kingmaker, Strathmill, played by Jay, is a spider, likes the bourgeois, uh, obligated, he's obligated to an orphanage. We haven't really tapped into that too much. Jaren, a blue coat archivist, is his ally. And Salia is an info broker. Salia is a rival, so we have another ally rival here. That's kind of fun. Nishan Lex Adele is played by Juliet, is a slide academic. She's a drug addict. Her drug dealer Brill is a friend and Bazos Boz is her rival and enemy. Porto Half-Off Hightower played by Joe is a cutter, background laborer, seeks out fighting in the fighting pits. His friend is Sawtooth, a physiker, and his rival and enemy is Mercy, a cold killer. So those are the groups. They are known as the gray and giant, and, and, and it was enigmas, but they misspelled it to ig, into en, en, enjimas, the gray enjimas. And we think that that's pretty funny. So we kept calling it gray enjimas. They've got all kinds of stuff, connections with, you know, they're minus two with the dimmer sisters right now. So that, that's been changing. And that's been kind of interesting. And they have their crew, their crew sheets, which we've been slowly filling out as we go. So those are the, that's the group. And I think there's some things that I can tap into here, Enjimas. So uh, the characters have the head of the former leader of the crows, Rorik, in a jar. I think the blue coats led by, we'll pick one of their allies. Like we have a blue coat, Darmot, right? Arrives at their headquarters, demanding that they be taken downtown, right? Uh, what other? So I, I think that that's like a good strong start, right? We're not, we don't, you know, not over prepping, but I, like that feels like there's good opportunities. Like, do they have to leave? Do they negotiate? How do they get out of this situation? And I think that that, that, that can work. So we have the starting scene, right? And then I want to have them like the job offers, right? And I want three of them. And then planning the score. And that's, you know, and then maybe engaging in the score. And then downtime. And then Finn, right? So that's kind of our outline for the rest of the, you know, and that's about as specific as you can get. So then the question, a big question is, you know, uh, we'll, we're not going to plan out what happens in that scene. And we know that we've got 
some other players in here. So we know that we've got the, what are they called? The sisters, right? The Dimmer sisters want Rorik's, the Dimmer sisters want Rorik's head. They think they can use it to control or disassemble the crows. Hey, my mom is here. Sorry, mom. I saw your post go, but I got caught up and stuff. Hello. So I think that that's something. We have the Dimmer sisters in there. I think that Lisa from the crows is desperate to recover Rorik's head. She wants it too because of everything it knows, right? How come I can't spell desperate? There we go. I think that that's a fun angle. What are some other what are some other angles uh, that we have? The blue coats are taking money from multiple sides, right? The red sashes are desperate to recover from the loss of Rorik's head. What if it turns out the red sashes had no it turns out that the Red Sashes had no war chest. They were getting money from the Crows, from Lisa of the Crows, in exchange for holding onto the head of Rorik. Now that they've lost it, Lisa is not happy with the Red Sashes. So everybody... Everybody wants Rorik's head because of the secrets it holds. Otherwise, they would just throw it into the drink. But the, so the big thing I need to like have an idea for is the jobs, right? So what jobs does Rorik... I want to offer a few and let them kind of choose, right? And this forces me to like not do a lot of prep because I'm going to offer three different jobs and I don't know which one they're going to choose. How about the Dimmer Sisters have a secret electroplasm laboratory. Rorik wants the characters to take him there and get him a new body. I think that that's pretty cool. And guess what? It's not gonna be humanoid. Maybe it's a big spider, right? What if he's got like a bunch of different types? Like what if there's a mechanical octopus body and he can go swim in the ocean with a Leviathans? So that that is a fun job. Right, what's another, what other things could Rorik do? Rorik wants to take care of Lisa, right? Rorik wants the characters to kill Lisa, right? That's a good job. What other, so what else was, so Rorik would want a body, Rorik would want Lisa dead. What else would Rorik want that the characters might be interested in helping Rorik acquire. You've got a talking head in someone's names, Yorick, Rorik. Uh, it has to be a way to, to do a Hamlet reference. <laughs> His mistress. Does, does Rorik have a special friend and their friend is in danger and the characters need to, to rescue the friend? Maybe. Hulls are a thing, and no, they don't have to be humanoid. That's cool. What other what other kinds of jobs do we have? Let's, you know, let's let's shake up our brain. Is there a list of job types? Let's 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 see if the book's got it. Does the book have a list of kind of the the types of jobs? There's there's a lot of like good random tables and and good sort of inspirational things. 
scores 306 here we go let's roll some dice there are how many of these guys oh there's a lot of different kinds of scores so we already have a client so we didn't need to worry about the client it's called duggery violence underworld or unnatural that's that's four tables so we'll roll we'll roll a d4 i'm rolling a d4 and blades in the dark to violence three terrorize or extort what could they do so you know against the we have the, the factions that we've got are the crows we've got the red sashes we've got the lamp blacks and we've got the dimmer sisters is there any terror terrorizing or extortion so what if instead of killing killing lisa they want to extort something from lisa like what if he says you know she has she's got this whole set of followers what if instead we get something that she's got so what what could how could she be extorted right what would they have to get does lisa does lisa have somebody of her own that they could go grab like a kidnap and that if they can you know they could control lisa by 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 kidnapping somebody that might be kind of interesting and only could extort for territory as well have they acquired any turf i don't we we haven't gotten into the turf you know we went through like the downtime stuff and and that ended up being as much as we could take in the time we had and we haven't really dug into turf there's a lot going on in this game could lisa have a sister so we could have like kidnap Lisa's sister, right? So that could work. And one of the secrets could be that Lisa has a sister. Uh, we'll give her a name. I think, I think the Blades book has names in here, don't they? There we go. Lorette. And what is interesting, could Lorette be the fiance of a noble? and is currently staying at a fancy townhouse in a different district, right? And so they would have to go to the fancy townhouse and they would have to grab up Lisa and then put her on ice somewhere. And by having her, they could control, they could control Lisa. That could be fun. Another thing could be the Dimmer sisters are watching the engine. All right, they've, they've, they're scrying. So like you can have the Dimmer sisters sort of drop in anywhere. That kind of works. So those seem like three different ones, right? And then so for locations, we can fill out more secrets as we need. But for locations, we want three fantastic locations, right? And fantastic location number one. Oh, what if, yeah, what if it's not at a townhouse? What if it's a boat on a fancy yacht? Lots of fun could happen there. So, uh, fantastic location. We'll start with that fancy yacht. So let's give this yacht a name, right? Oh, I need a cool name. The Corvath. And we have Yvette's or Lorette's fiance. His name is Milos Dunville. And so what are three interesting, fantastic features of this yacht that fit the themes of Duskvol and stuff? It has electro electroplasm sail, right? A sail of electroplasm that arcs and sends energy. Uh, glass bottom, so they can look at the things swirling underneath that peers into the void. 
glass bottom that peers into the void. That's pretty cool. What is another cool, fantastic feature of this yacht? <sighs> what else could it have? What, what would a cool thing that a yacht would have? A Leviathan masthead or demonic, demonic masthead? De uh, yeah, a demonic masthead. That's actually has some, some demon stuff going on. So that's cool. The next location is where Lisa, Lisa's headquarters. So what would her headquarters be like? Let's take a look at, let's see, they have locations here, right? People, building. Is it a common, uncommon, or rare, right? Uh, I like rare, so we're gonna go with rare. So let's roll a couple D6. I rolled a four and a five, uh, four and a five, a watch post. It's kind of boring. Let's just kind of read through these. So we have Apothecary, nah. Radiant Energy Garden. That's kind of cool. Kind of already did a power plant. Let's try the common ones and see what we get. Six and a two, a tailory. What if it's like a, so we have bathhouse. What if it's like a spa, right? A spa with a Radiant Energy Garden, right? So we'll give it a name. Let's give this place a, a cool name. Whoops. The Morriston Spa. And it has elect what a radiant energy got in. It has a local apothecary. I can't spell worth a damn. How do you spell apothecary? Whatever. I don't know why my spell check doesn't work in Notion. E. Okay, but it's E. I was close. Hey, look at that. I guess in this. A P O T H E C A R Y. A P O T H. Is that right? Bless it. So close. And what other what other cool thing does this have? Void baths, right? Baths, ba water, sort of electroplasm in charge water where you sort of bathe in it and it also sort of gets you high. And you can see into other worlds called the void baths. That's pretty cool. So that's where Lisa is staying, right? And then we have the Electroplasm Laboratory. We'll give this thing a name, the names are good. The Veil, right, it's called The Veil. It is an Electroplasm Laboratory of the Dimmer Sisters. And what does it have? Uh, hulking, half machine, half organic bodies. It has a huge Electroplasm generator and a vast, void pool. I know I'm doing the void pool stuff, but I'm only ever really going to use one of these so I can steal ideas from the other ones if I like it. And the idea is a, a vast void pool in the basement. All right. So those are cool. So now I've got like three kind of fun locations. I've, I know a little bit about them. This is right. You know, this sort of, this is interesting because I typically don't do these sort of three aspects thing for locations when I'm doing the D&D games, but it makes a lot of sense for Blades, right? For Blades, this three aspect thing, which was really an idea I stole from uh, Fate, right? From, from Fate Core. And it's a great way to just sort of have three sort of 
interesting things about a location so that when you're running, you can go with it. And you notice like, I don't have a map. I don't have a lot of details. I don't, I don't have like infiltration, exfiltration stuff. I'll come up with that as I go, but I've got enough here that like the interesting bits are there. Right. And I, and it makes me feel good. I feel like, okay, I've got that. I've got that set pretty well. NPCs. We have Rorik, of course, we probably want to have a dimmer sister agent. I think that we'll probably have some of the, so we have Dharma. We're gonna have Flint, right? What other, we could have Eckerd, right? Maybe Eckerd is a good one. I mean, a lot of it is, I could probably just go right here and you know, I've got my NPCs, the, this, this list of NPCs that I, can, that I can carve through works pretty well. We can actually view this by, cause I don't have a lot of details. So we can view this by table, right? So if I want my NPCs, I can click here and get a whole list of all the NPCs. And these are all the ones that are like connected to various characters. So whichever ones I want to pull, I can pull from there. And that saves me a little bit of time on prep. Anything else? So I've got like a good starting scene. I don't know how that's going to go. We're going to find out. I've got ideas that for job offers that our, our friend is going to have. Our friend Rorik is going to, going to offer. Those are kind of fun. Secrets and clues, I'm good. I get eight. Do I really need more? I mean, it can't hurt for funsies. I could come up with two more secrets. Let's come up with two more secrets and then we'll call it a day. So what are two other things the characters may learn in this next session? Lorette has no idea what her sister does. That could be kind of fun. And let's see, is there any other, any other secret? A secret about Rorik? No one knows, this isn't really a great secret. No one knows who or what the Dimmer Sisters actually are. But they do use the uh, veil as a way to shift bodies regularly. That's a fun secret. I think we're all set. I think I got everything I need in order to run my Blades of the Dark game. I think it's gonna be interesting and fun. We're gonna see where it goes and we will figure things out. So. I wanna thank everybody for coming today. It's always a great time to hang out with you guys and do my prep for whatever game I am prepping. And if you enjoyed this show, you can help me out by subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter. You can support me directly on Patreon. You can pick up any of my books or you can subscribe to my videos on YouTube. So thank you all very much for hanging out with me today. Have a great day. See you guys next week. Get out there and play a fun RPG. Take care, everybody.